People are looking up your website, and until you put one up, they're reaching your competitors or they're reaching your wholesale partners. They're reaching someone, but not you. So the moment you put up a website by way of inertia, you'll see sales coming in. Hello and welcome to this special episode of Shopify Masters. I'm Benjamin Gottlieb. So you want to build a successful apparel company online, right? But how do you get there? Well, we've got Daniel Abramov here to help us out. He is the chief digital officer at Tiki's. Maybe you've heard the name before. The company took off selling skin tone sandals and flip flops, mostly wholesale. But a couple years ago, Tiki's got into the online e-commerce game and the clothing game. It's a gamble that Dan says paid off big time. And he's here now to tell me more why. Hey, Dan. Hey, thanks for having me. So you guys are really known for your sandals, your footwear, but recently you got into clothing. I think you're wearing some right now. Why did you guys make the decision to go that route? Actually, funny story, because yeah, you're absolutely right. This is one of the items that we sell. Uh, We were a primarily footwear brand since inception, and I want to say this is since 2009. And clothing actually came up as a brand new idea and invention in 2019 that we decided to dabble into. As a very small project, we launched a very small collection just to try out some leisure wear. And I'll tell you later what actually happened, but it was a very small project that ended up going very, very right for us. <laughs> well, leisure wear is definitely hot right now. I mean, I'm wearing around the house all the time. So are all of us as we're working from home, but things are starting to change. I'm just curious if that's changing your calculus at all about what products you're going to be creating in the future. Oh yeah, totally. I mean, we we're constantly inventing and reinventing ourselves. We're looking at different categories and different verticals to go into. Case in point, we just launched sunglasses last month and we're constantly innovating and going into new new uh, verticals. So let's take a step back for a moment. Tiki's, I think most folks might know you guys as being in your local mall, right? At Bloomingdale's, for example. Wholesale was really the heart of the business early on, but that shifted to e-commerce kind of around the time when you started to join the company, right? I mean, what was it about your business, Tiki's, and e-commerce that just seemed like such a great fit? Yeah, I actually joined Tiki's in 17, and prior to that, the business was 100% wholesale. The reasoning being, you know, wholesale, there's a lot of doors, a lot of visibility, and it was a simple business to run. And it it drove a lot of success for Tiki's, so when it discounted at all, it was the reason why the company became where it is today. Frankly, it gave the foundation for growth. But in 17, Jesse Burnett, the CEO of our company, had the idea and, and the desire to really scale online and then really scale our online presence. And so he brought me on board and we worked together for about nine months, uh, drawing up a strategy for what we're going to do next. And uh, in 2018, we really pressed the pedal to the metal and pressed that gas and we uh, really accelerated the company. Well, let's talk strategy a little bit, right? I mean, for many folks who might be watching who are thinking about going from wholesale to e-commerce or have like a small online business going, but really their bread and butter is selling, you know, in person or wholesale. I mean, what does it take? How do you make that move, especially for someone who's never done it before? Well, you really got to have vision, vision for your brand and an idea of what you stand for. That's key for someone growing an online business. (laughs) 
there you can really uh, take the leap forward to say what does your brand stand for and how do you want to present yourself to the world in general. Uh, from there, you know, a website is really important. Shopify is an important part of that equation. And so long as you have the right infrastructure in place and you have the right marketing strategy associating that, and by that I mean, you know, the right idea of where you want to reach your customers and how you want to communicate with them, you can really uh, reach some new heights. Well, let's talk marketing, right? I mean, you guys are big on social. It's a big part of what you do. And I'm sure a lot of folks are thinking, gosh, I just can't get myself, I can't get my brand going online on TikTok, on Instagram. What do you attribute your success to on those platforms? Well, let's go back to wholesale for a minute. Because the brand has been around for the better part of seven years before we truly pushed it online, we had organically had visitors coming to our website. And because we had visitors coming to the site and making purchases with us, we had a baseline level of understanding of who our customer is. And so that gave us an idea and gave platforms like Facebook and Instagram the necessary data to uh, build out audiences to understand what is the persona, who is the person that truly buys tikis. And from that point forward, once you have that persona figured out, you understand who you need to target uh, as a customer base, who, the consumer that you're going after. In order so to what you're saying is your wholesale really helped you in informing your digital strategy. Absolutely, because the, we understood going into it at that point who our customer is, right? And uh, you didn't necessarily, it, we fine-tuned it for sure over time, but we didn't have to uh, start from the absolute bare minimum of zero trying to figure out truly who your customer is. Now, don't get me wrong. You can do that. You can start from zero and figure out who your customer is. It's just going to take a little bit of time and a little bit of money. Maybe a lot of money, right? Not necessarily a little bit of money. Okay, so you know who the customer is, but then how do you translate that to, to followers, to um, attention online? I mean, how important is it for you guys, for example, to have a big influencer with your, with your gear or, I don't know, a big, very popular post, for example, on Facebook and Instagram. Sure. I mean, that's, that's important for anyone in terms of popularity and getting someone big with good followings to understand who you are. But really going back to it, it's, it's, it's the content that you put out and how genuine you are with your customers, right? If you are genuine and your customers understand that you're genuine and by genuine, I mean authentic also, you will start to uh, gain traction. You'll see that your consumers start following you, start uh, responding to you, start engaging with you. And really, it's it's not about the size of the influencer as much as it is the authenticity of the content that's going to come out from that influencer. If Kim K comes out tomorrow and promotes Tiki's, which is going to be phenomenal, but if she just does it as a, uh, you know, states that it's a sponsored post and she has no in intention, she just simply flashes a, a piece of Tiki's, uh, yeah, uh, you know, a flip-flop or, or, or a sweatshirt, that's going to be great, but it's not going to drive as much engagement or as much of a return on value to us as her post going out there and telling the world about how much she loves Tiki's and why it is that she loves the brand. For those folks who don't know, Kim K, Kim Kardashian, I'm assuming is who you're talking about. I don't yeah, know. I don't, I don't the know if you're on a first-name basis or not. <laughs> we go so, way back. I, I, <laughs> I think what's really kind of cool about what you guys have done, it's a little bit of a blending of old-school business and new-school, right? You have wholesale, yep. more traditional model, get your stuff in a mall, and then also new-school, if you can even call e-commerce new-school anymore. Um, <laughs> one other thing that I know you're doing a, which also speaks to this idea that digital isn't necessarily everything, yep. are these uh, direct mailers that you're doing. I mean, tell me a little bit about that and, and, and how that's been successful, what someone else might learn 
from that strategy. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I, I want to give credit to Jesse Burnett on this one because he is the brains behind that whole endeavor, frankly. But um, he had this idea that as the world really pushed into digital, into Instagram ads, at the time TikTok wasn't even a thing when we started talking about these things. As the world really pushed into Google, Instagram, and so on, um, a lot of those dollars have shifted away from traditional mediums like print into digital. And so... People still check their mailboxes, right? People still get their <laughs> Sometimes bills. Sometimes reluctantly looking for bills, right? Right, exactly. <laughs> but but you still get stuff in the mail. And how much attention you pay to it varies. But I would argue that 90% of those are inserts for, for pizza or, or maybe your local McDonald's. But if all of a sudden you receive a, a mailer in there that um, is addressed to you and talks to a completely different product, all of a sudden, uh, say, Tiki's, that grabs attention. And so we really put some, a lot of effort into it to make it successful, and we went that route. And it, uh, it paid uh, for itself handsomely. It was, it was really great. I was going to ask you that. So for an apparel business like yours, you think it's really worth the investment. I mean, how much, can you give me a sense, I mean, how much of an investment are we talking about for something like that? It really depends on the size that you want to go. And when I say size, size of mailer, how many homes you wish to to reach, It'll give you an idea. It generally ranges in about sixty cents to a dollar per individual. So you can spend it, send it to a hundred thousand people, and you'll be in that hundred thousand range. You send it to two hundred thousand people, you'll be in that you know one fifty to two hundred range. But the recommendations always go larger for things like that because the response rates tend to be in about three percent. So if you go very small, you may not see the return that you're looking for on an investment. But the larger you go, obviously you're going to have this like uh, you know the aura concentric circles effect. So you're going for kind of a, a holistic approach, right? You're, you're sending out mailers, you've got marketing online. It's speaking to this bigger point, I think, about the overall customer experience and really keeping a customer coming back, right? After you've bought that hoodie or those sandals or that leisure wear, how you keep someone coming back to Tiki's and buying more. I mean, do you, what could you help share with us your strategy for keeping customers, retaining them and getting them to come back? Yeah, for sure. So... Let, let, let's talk about where the customers, who is the customer and where, where does he or she shop, right? Very important. Absolutely. Because a lot of us, when we think about online, we only think about online channels. We think, you know, Instagram, Google, and it, it, let's go out and, and advertise in all these channels. But what we forget about is that we're going after real humans. You and I are, exist in the real world. We're not just digital beings, right? So as much as Facebook would like you to believe that the metaverse is the only way to go. Um, Although in all fairness right now, for everyone watching and listening, we are just digital voices in Facebook. But go on, continue. <laughs> <laughs> Semantics. <laughs> so long as you recognize that the customer lives and exists in the real world just as much as they do in the digital space, you need to gear your marketing towards that. And you need to be able to be present in all of those places where that customer actually exists and where they shop, where they live, where they interact. And so that's the reason why wholesale becomes such an important part because people don't just shop at Tiki's online or go to a Tiki store. They go to Bloomingdale's, they go to Nordstrom, they go to other retailers to to shop, to experience the real world and and acquire whatever items they like to to purchase. But if I can, is that a model that just works for Tiki's or should are you saying that other apparel companies or footwear companies should look into something like you're doing? I believe that's a that's a strategy that's been employed by 
the most successful brands. And if you want to be successful, you need to be present in multiple channels. Uh, look at OnRunning, look at Allbirds, look at any direct-to-consumer brand out there that is really seeing growth and success. You will quickly see that they bridge the gap from online into the physical world. I'm hanging out with Daniel Abramov. He's the chief digital officer at the sandals turned clothing company, Tiki's. So you talked about this idea of being a wholesaler first, e-commerce second. Um, and I want to get back into that, really that secret sauce for someone who's looking at this. Maybe you're a mom and pop store. Maybe you're trying to help your parents out who have a longstanding clothing business, trying to make that, that leap. I mean, how would you help someone like that kind of get into the space? Is it simply just make a website and start selling? Or what do you say they should do? For sure, you, you need a website and start selling. You'll see sales will come into you naturally. If you already have a, uh, a wholesale component to your business, people know about you. People are looking up your website. And until you put one up, they're reaching your competitors or they're reaching your wholesale partners. They're reaching someone, but not you. Right. So the moment you put up a website, you will see this natural, um, by way of inertia, you'll see sales coming in. And what's going to be really interesting is that you'll start to understand your customer even before you spend a single dollar in, in marketing and going out to try to acquire a new one. The most important part of this is understanding who your customer is. Right. And the only way to figure out who your customer is, is by having a website. So, yeah, absolutely. Start with a website. After that, put your brains together to try to figure out who is your customer, at least your best guess. Right. And once you have a website and you kind of have this uh, idea of who your customer or what the persona is of that individual, then you start to um, target a little bit and uh, dabbling in marketing to see if um, based on your assumptions, whether the traffic that's coming to your website is converting. Well, let's talk a little bit more about once you've made that website, what do you do, right? So many folks might be watching, okay, I've got a website, I've got stuff, I've got gear, it's awesome, but I can't get anyone to buy it, right? I would imagine step one is getting someone to make your t-shirts or your shoes or your hoodies. I mean, to walk me through the process about how Tiki's does that. Where do you guys go? How do you, how do you choose who actually manufactures your stuff? That's a great question. So the genius behind the brand in terms of design is Carly Burnett. She dreams up these incredible designs. Uh, I'm wearing one right now. Looks comfortable. <laughs> it, it is. It's really nice. Um, the, the brand started from the whole concept of simplicity and wanting to find an elegant, simple flip-flop. And she went on a journey to try to identify one that she could easily buy that would be approachably priced. She couldn't find one. So she went and made one herself. Similarly, when it came to clothing, she, she looked around and said, well, you know, there's a lot of competition in clothing space, in apparel, but who makes a piece of clothing that she won't want to take off and, and wear it always? Uh, you really share that feeling in a way that would be approachably priced and well-made. You know, high quality is really an important mainstay of the brand. So going back to your question, how do you go do, uh, about doing that? Uh, you got to find the right manufacturing partner who's going to be able to really uh, understand your vision for what it is that you're trying to accomplish. Go through iterations of design many times over. And then eventually you'll reach uh, this final prototype that is going to be really great for your, uh, for your brand. And uh, you'll be able to share it with the world. But how do you find that, right? I'm just thinking, how do you find that manufacturer? Is it literally cold calls and emails? Are you just taking tours abroad? Are you looking local? I mean, what, what do, you, do you know it, what you guys did? It's everywhere. Luckily for us, I'll tell you that we had experience in, in apparel. Carly and Jesse previously had an apparel brand before this. And so they had some contacts in the apparel industry that they could leverage to get a few samples made. But had they not had that, 
it would definitely be a, a trial and error kind of structure. It would be going out there and networking and understanding who is in the space, talking to founders. Uh, and I promise you that if you have an idea for an apparel brand and you want to get some pointers, reach out. LinkedIn is your friend sometimes, you know, and, and, uh, uh, it's it's not so, I know it seems scary, but go reaching out on LinkedIn and making that connection and, and saying, look, you know, I admire everything that you've done. This is what I'm trying to build. Do you think you can give me some pointers? So you've built this. You mentioned earlier that the business really started off completely wholesale, maybe a little bit online. And now just tell me, how has it changed in the last few years? I mean, what is the breakdown in terms of where growth is, where your sales are? I mean, is, is wholesale just still crushing it or what's going on? Wholesale is definitely crushing it. But when I first joined Tiki's, online was about 10 to 15% of the business. In the five years or so, we are now doing about 60% online. Mind you, both sides of the business continue to grow. What's interesting is online is definitely the hot area in terms of growth because that's, that's the most directly attributable. If I can use our uh, industry lingo, you can spend dollars and measure what the return is going to look like, right? What's more difficult is wholesale. But what's interesting is that, and we've seen this over time, is that A, people first discovered Tiki's by going on to uh, to our wholesaler partners and experiencing the brand, understanding what it is, and then coming to our website and organically making their second, third, fourth purchase with us directly on the site. But once we started marketing, we started acquiring customers brand new. And what was really interesting is that that increased brand awareness and love for Tiki's translated into higher demand with our wholesale partners. And that higher demand didn't correlate into sales until about a year to two afterwards. And why is that? That happens because the buyers at our wholesale partners look at data retroactively. So whatever sales happened last year, they base their sales plans next year based on historical sales data. But our investments in marketing are today. So that means that the more money we spend today, the more sales are going to happen with our wholesale partners just as much as they will happen at tikis.com. And if next year and the year after when the buyers are making their next year's orders, that's when they see the true sell-through numbers and start increasing their order sizes in wholesale as well. So what you're saying almost is that the online sales, you can get instant feedback, almost instant gratification for an experiment or something else you're trying, whereas wholesale, it's a little bit of a longer game, right? Absolutely. Yeah. That's exactly what I'm saying. Yeah. I'm hanging out with Daniel Abramov. He's the chief digital officer at Tiki's. A big way that companies measure success, obviously, is growth year by year, quarter by quarter, sometimes week by week. How are you guys managing and understanding what positive growth looks like for the company right now? We look at it live, you're absolutely right, on a daily basis, frankly. We look at it retroactively, what has the past week's been like, a month, year, and we also look forward. So we tend to plan about two to three years forward to understand what our growth rate is going to look like and where our investments truly are going to take place. And you know, a plan is only as good as it is on paper, but in reality, life is completely different. You don't say. Right. (laughs) (laughs) We measure it in in a way where we deploy our capital against our plan, but then we look at it retroactively to understand exactly what happened and and gain insights from there. Once we gleam those insights, then we can apply it for our future months. And, you know, I... I, um, I teach as a guest speaker at George Brown on the differences between budgeting and forecasting. And a budget is, you know, set in stone for the next 12 months, whereas a forecast is ever evolving. And so that's exactly what happens at Tiki. So our forecasts evolve all the time and we're 
constantly looking at it and understanding what are those black swan events that we haven't predicted and that happened since our plan and how can we change? So in other words, for those founders or merchants, small business owners out there who are looking to emulate your success, be prepared for the unexpected is what you're saying, right? Absolutely. For digital teams, you're working mostly with your digital product, right? For digital teams that are out there looking, trying to learn lessons from you, anything that you would tell someone um, who's trying to grow their business, you absolutely have to do this. Any advice for folks? Good infrastructure from a technology standpoint is really, really important, right? So you don't want uh, things failing on you at a, at a time when you, you lined up all of your marketing events and initiatives, because that's, that's the last thing you want to be dealing with at a time when all of your dollars and capital is being deployed. And good planning, really. Uh, so long as you have those two pieces in place, you can start executing upon the plan and seeing the fruits of your labor come through. So we're talking about influencer marketing, and I'm just curious, what is your marketing breakdown? I mean, how do you decide how much money, how much of a percentage of your money goes to one place or the other? It's a question of timing and opportunity. That's one. And second, we tend to plan things out two to three years ahead of time. So we look at our um, uh, at our seasonality and, and marketing mix uh, from the point of view of um, product launches. So if we're doing a major product launch, then we'll have more influencer marketing and additional initiatives that will really accelerate uh, visibility for for the new product launch versus you know evergreen campaigns. From a mix standpoint, we look at our marketing in call it three major buckets. One is paid media, meaning that anything that we have to spend dollars on, what does that look like? And within that, that breaks out to uh, those direct paid social or, or paid search ads. So Google, Instagram, TikTok, whatever other platform we utilize. You have your paid influencer events, right? So uh, partnerships with individuals that have high following, Finally, you have other events that would be quote-unquote paid media, meaning that direct mail or anything that we have to put out dollars for in order for us to actually gain uh, gain visibility. The other two are email marketing, which is more of a retention type of activity or conversion once we acquire those users. And the last being organic, within which things like PR and SEO and other initiatives can fall into, and that will drive users back to our site. And what you're saying is that you adjust these things, the amount of effort or money or time, however you want to slice it based off of events. So if you've got a big new product, like a new hoodie coming out, you're going heavy on influencer marketing, right? And you might go to mailers for something different, right? If you're trying to, I don't know, get folks to come to an event or something like that. Essentially, that's what I'm saying. Uh, I'm saying this is this is a marketing calendar driven uh, in terms of uh, how much we're, we're spending into each specific area. But to put it differently, if we want a direct conversion-based initiative, we'll spend more dollars into those uh, initiatives, right? And so that would be paid social, paid search, direct mail even, right? Because those are direct initiatives. Affiliate marketing is another one that, that is very direct driven. So if we want to have more traffic coming to our website from affiliates, that's where we draw uh, the distinction between influencer marketing and affiliate marketing, where individuals that are have a smaller following that uh, would be more suited for gifting events and more on the affiliate side of the channel would get more product being sent to them, would get more outreach from our managers to uh, get them to promote the brand more. 
right? And uh, we would see direct linkages between uh, exposure and sales. Whereas um, for more brand awareness type of initiatives or something like a product launch that we want the world to know and they have you know someone screaming on top of the mountain, we, we'd get a big influencer to, to partner up. I don't know, mountain screaming was still such a popular way to advertise. It's actually one of the top ways. It's great. Well, Daniel, it's been a real pleasure. Thank you so much for coming down here and hopefully we can talk soon. Absolutely. My pleasure. Thanks for having me.